smoking meats, brining meats, fermentation, the science, the emotion behind cooking food, creating really great meals. Uh, you guys have been listening to the show for a while now. You know that I am obsessed with making films, but I am just as obsessed with food. Uh, I think it's the way I came up. It's definitely the way I came up. Big thing in our family was always, what are we eating? And while we're eating something, what are we eating tomorrow? The emotional connections that we've had with folks, the, the emotional uh, memories that I have from a kid have always been around a meal. I've always been around an event that had food involved with it. And I love how food acts as an emotional timestamp, very similar to how music does the same thing. And are you guys seeing a theme here? Are you guys seeing a connection with all these episodes and with my podcasting? It's really just about experiencing life and, and categorizing it, cataloging experiences. And so with me, it comes down to films, it comes down to music, and it comes down to food. And uh, today's episode is a food one. I'm excited about it. My guest today is someone who I haven't met yet, someone who I haven't had their food yet, somebody I found on Instagram and their posts and their ideals had me salivating. Let me just say this right now. Uh, on today's episode, I have someone uh, in here from Los Angeles uh, in my studio, in the house today. So it's in person. It's been a while since we've done this. I'm excited to have her over. I've prepared some food. I've put some stuff together. Uh, we're going to sit around and drink some beers early in the morning on a Friday and, uh, and, and, and talk into microphones. And it's fucking great. I'm so happy that she, she wanted to come here. She practically begged me to come to the spot. Didn't want to do it over Zoom, didn't want to do it over the distance, and I was just excited. I was excited last night. I was a little nervous because I had someone coming over again, and then I went through the process of prepping everything, and Gina helped me this morning, putting everything together, and I had to wake up early and set up the microphones and set up the space. There's a sense of excitement around it. Went out and I picked up some beers. Very excited. Hope you guys are pumped. Uh, do yourselves a favor while you're listening to this episode. Pour yourself a beer. Grab yourself some stuff. Maybe uh, if you have it in the fridge, uh, grab yourself some dried salami and a nice cheese. Maybe an apple. Cut that up. Set it out in a tray so you could feel like you're right here with us. What do I have served up? I've got some peaches. I've got some toasted bread, some olives. Um, I think I got like a dried Sangiovese uh, salami going here. A little uh, mustard. Got some hummus and some veggies. Hook yourselves up. Come and hang out. And as I talk with someone who is a part of the the current LA food renaissance, somebody who is one of many out here changing the way food tastes, changing the way food is delivered to us through pop-ups, through different business strategies on how to get food out there. It isn't just about spending millions on getting a restaurant up and running and we've seen the food truck revolution and now we're seeing a lot of pop-ups folks that are prepping their food putting their food together in their homes putting their food together in shared kitchens and then uh going and serving it in amazing bars and amazing um uh, 
restaurants and spots. Jesus Christ, my brain froze right there for a second. <laughs> um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to have the creator of The Bad Jew on the show. Uh, Rebecca King is joining us here in the studio today. And uh, she has been smoking meats and putting together uh, pork pastrami, which is really interesting, really fascinating. Because uh, most of the time, uh, she calls it pork pastrami. Most of the time, pastrami is made from beef. And I don't know why people haven't done this yet. She is doing the same brining process, the same uh, spicing process that you would do on a brisket. Uh, she's doing it for pork shoulders. And I'm fascinated. She was telling me about the flavor of that, how it's a little bit sweeter. Ugh, I can't wait to go and try it. And the only reason I haven't tried it before we do the show is because of COVID, right? Because it's hard to get out and do this stuff. But dude, selfishly, I had her on the show so that we can become pals and I could hang out and have some good food. Mm. Let's be real. <laughs> so get ready for a cool, inspiring uh, episode about uh, changing your business, changing what it is that you want to do with your life, looking for the thing that you're passionate about. Uh, Rebecca's gone through a bunch of different careers and eventually landed on this. And surprisingly, one would think that uh, this job that she chose would be more work. A lot more strenuous on the body, a lot more physical labor, a lot more tireless hours, unpaid time. Um, and uh, this path makes her happier than the prior paths that she's had. So if you're looking for uh, a reason to change your, your current mode, you don't like your job and you're looking for some sort of inspiration, maybe you'll find it today on today's show. If you're someone that wants to hear about some of the best places to eat in Los Angeles currently, She's got lists. I, you know, I got to get the lists from her. Because <laughs> uh, when I put together this epic bar safari, it's probably going to be a few weeks of a bar safari here in Los Angeles with all these folks that I've been talking to about it. I hung out with uh, my buddy Chris Candy the other day, and uh, he was telling me about bars. He wants to take me on a bar safari. Everybody wants to go on a bar safari. And I've just been delaying them because of COVID. You know, I want to have these experiences inside these restaurants. And there was a hot second there where uh, I felt like we could start doing that. Now, with all these fucking like mutated strains and shit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I want to I wanna do it though. I really do. I'm craving it. There's so much great food out here. And uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you remember... Prior to me moving out here, being on the East Coast and sort of concerned about what LA is going to be like and what the food's going to be like and, you know, the the outside of the state perspective on Los Angeles is it's got, it's got great Mexican food. They got good avocados, right? They got oranges and shit, right? Um, but the food out here is amazing. Well, the food scene is fascinating. And um, the outdoor eating scene and the outdoor vendor scene is so much fun. Especially being from a, a region where it gets so fucking cold and the weather is so abrasive. Even in the summertime, it's so humid on the East Coast and it gets so fucking abrasive that the last thing you want to do is be outside. And here it's it's beautiful most of the year. You know, I would say that uh, we're pushing right now. We're coming into August. August and September is pretty intense as far as the heat's concerned. but. 
um, the ability to sit outside, to eat outside, to have furniture outside that doesn't get shit on all the time. Uh, it changes the food experiences. So I'm very excited. We get into all that on today's episode. But before we do, I just want to thank you all for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy at Instagram or the podcast that's in love with the process POD on Instagram. Uh, lately, what have we been doing? We've been I've been showing you guys some of the adventures. I posted about uh, some of my birthday adventures that we did this year, uh, a bunch of the food that I've been cooking. I've been trying to uh, take it easy on smoking and grilling, but it's fucking impossible. <laughs> it's virtually impossible with everybody that's like, what are we doing? What are we barbecuing? What are you making? Where are we going? Uh, Gina ended up taking me out for a birthday adventure to uh, Blood Sows Barbecue, and of course I had way too much of that there. We ended up getting too much and I had leftovers and I was cooking the leftovers the next day. Fuck me. I've, I've, I've made this life for myself, you know? I've made it. So I should just curl up, right? Wrap myself in prosciutto and lower myself into the fucking ground. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling it. Um, but uh, very excited about a lot of the prep that's going on. The movie stuff is still moving forward, so I'm deep in prep on that. Um, we just uh, got in some early creature concept designs for a film that I'm working on. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, and these uh, dudes that I'm collaborating with on this uh, feature are pretty awesome. Uh, the, the knowledge of horror that these guys have, the passion for horror that these guys have, uh, just being in calls and, and being in creative calls with these guys is... It's, it's nice. It's, it's like having a warm blanket of support. Um, and uh, I think it's going to create an amazing film. And I think it's going to help us make the first feature, my first feature, be one that you guys all want to see. So fingers fucking crossed. And I always get nervous talking about this stuff on the air because who knows if it all disappears. I feel like the change in the fucking wind and the next thing you know it's gone. Um, but uh, I am supposed to be sharing what I'm going through with you guys, right? You guys want the honest stuff that's going on, right? You don't want me making up stories. You don't want boring shit. So that's a big part of my life right now. And um, yeah, uh, Gina just finished up all the music videos that she was working on. So the life is kind of getting back into place again. It's crazy the, how destructive productions are in your home life, to your home life, and how it changes everything because it requires so much emotionally from a person, it requires so much physically from a person that it changes the entire atmosphere. I can only, I can't imagine having kids and doing that. I know a lot of you that are listening to the show do that. I know that you guys and girls out there have families and run these productions at the same time. Does it help to have an office? It must. Right? It must help to have a, a, a place away from the home. I mean, I've heard stories about, even if you're in the restaurant business, I've heard stories about people that like live above the restaurant and how it just seeps into their family life. And I think it just helps to have it somewhere else, you know, to wake up in the morning, have to get dressed, put on clothes and then go somewhere. Uh, but, you know, when you're starting out or when you're, when you're uh, trying to trying to build something new, oftentimes that's difficult and uh, must be difficult 
on a lot of like is it the same way for you guys do you guys feel that way do you guys have trouble uh, making sure that uh, you have a difference separation between business and family it's a fascinating question right it's all about like at that point trying to stay emotionally healthy trying to stay in the right place trying to get away from it because what we do whether it is running a restaurant um, putting together a pop-up or or uh, making a film or putting together music or an album and living your passion it ends up seeping so deep into your life that the emotions and the situations that come from that seep 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 really deep into what's happening at home um, and most of the time it's fucking great most of the time it's celebratory but it's I, I would say 99% of the time it's exhausting whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it's in between it's always fucking exhausting um, so yeah Gina's about to go on her vacation for a few days which I think is very well earned and uh, I'm gonna be left all alone here at home you're leaving me all by myself who's gonna be here with me Gina who's gonna take care of me Ah, <laughs> uh, anyway, enough ranting, enough rambling. Um, strap yourselves in. Get ready to hang out with the bad Jew. And uh, we're going to talk pork. We're going to talk food. Uh, and I'm going to do it in person. So grab those noise-canceling headphones. Pour yourself a nice, cold, crisp beer. What are we drinking? We're drinking Heffenweiser today. That's right, we're drinking Heffs. Um, and uh, strap in for the brand new episode of The Love of the Process.
Rebecca, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here in my place, which is great. Me too. I love meeting in person. Much prefer to Zoom and phone calls. So boring. <laughs> I hate Zoom. I like, I can't focus. Yeah, because you're like, are you looking at yourself the whole time? Is that the move? I don't know. Today I was talking to some person and I was just like looking at her teeth the entire time and she had to repeat herself. And I was just like, ah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hold on. What I'm going to do is I'm going to move the microphone a little bit closer because I okay. want to get your standby. You can sit back. Okay. I'm just going to move this. It's just a little bit closer. Okay. We good? Yeah, I think I can hear your voice better. How about that? Cool. All right. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to get nerdy with you on uh, smoking meats. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening, uh, so explain to the audience how you got started in the food industry and where you are right now. It's a long story, but I'm happy to tell it. Um, so I moved to LA four years ago and I watched Mind of a Chef and I watched a documentary about Chef Andy Ricker called Farong. And I was just like, oh my God, chefs are so cool. And then I moved to LA and I started eating out and I started going to the farmer's markets. Um, and I just kind of started cooking at home. And then I would introduce myself to chefs um, and begged to work in their kitchens. Some said yes, and I would stage, which essentially means intern. And then I was also, um, I was working in commercial real estate and I would like lie to my boss all the time and like just, <laughs> I would be like, oh, I have a meeting and I would go to work for an hour a day and then I'd go to a farmer's market or I'd go work at a restaurant for free. Um, and so in real estate, it is 100% commission. So if you're not working, right. you're not making money. So right. instead of um, trying to make deals happen, I would reach out to people on Instagram and be like, hey, like, can I work at your pop-up on the weekends? So I started working for Pop's Bagels at Smorgasburg. Um, <laughs> I worked for Goldberger. And then one day I wanted to have a Labor Day party and I bought like a little tiny smoker from Home Depot mm -hmm. and I asked my butchers to throw a party with me and to smoke a little pig and a brisket um, and some chickens, whatever. My butchers, I guess, didn't take me seriously in the day of the party or like the two days before the party when I was smoking everything, they were like, oh, we like, we have to work. We can't come. And so I reached out to a guy named Danny Gordon who owns Flatpoint Barbecue. And I was like, I'm having a party in two days. I have a little smoker. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you teach me everything you know? I sent him like, my phone number and like 10,000 questions. And he taught me how to smoke meat via Instagram. Wow. Yeah. And he like kind of stayed up with me. And like, I, I remember the, my first smoke was like 20 hours. I think I had like a shitty thermometer that didn't work. I opened the smoker every <laughs> 10 minutes, um, which is like a big no, no. Yep. Um, you kind of just have to trust the temps and like, um, Whatever. So my brisket came out bad, but, um, <laughs> so then I asked Danny, I was like, Hey, like, can I work for you? And he's like, do you have a job? And I was like, I mean, just don't worry about it. I'm like, you're my job now. So I started working with him and catering. And then I got really interested in learning how to like actually smoke. And he always, he would always say, people always say they're going to come smoke, but they never do. And I'm like, well, that's not me. And then I would show up and we became like best friends and, and then I was also staging at a restaurant called Birdie G's, which is um, run by Chef Jeremy Fox. And I was working under Chef Joel Spadafore and Chef Brittany Cassidy. And they were um, 
like that was my most important stage. I had already had the idea for the bad Jew in my head, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mm-hmm. thought I was gonna, I thought I'd do pork schnitzel, but like dredging is a nightmare, especially I started out of my house. Like you can't just like <laughs> dredge a hundred pork schnitzel sandwiches. Like yeah, nightmare. you have flour and everything everywhere Ooh, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Like you want, you really want things, especially when you're doing it out of your house to be heavy prep, but light pickup, um, which means like you want things to like, you want to be able to move, move it quickly and make it quickly. Um, and schnitzels from home, not so much. But anyway, um, I was <laughs> I was um, working at Birdie G's and I saw them making corned beef and pickles. And I was like prep. And I, I was just so amazed by the process. And Joel taught me, Chef Joel taught me how to do that. And then it just clicked. Um, corned pork. And then when I, Danny was making pastrami sometimes and I was like, corn or pork strami like does anyone and nobody does that which yeah, is yeah crazy i've like i don't even love deli food that much so like it's so crazy for me that like i'm a girl from cleveland i don't have a background in barbecue i'm not really like and then now i'm like i'm not a pit master yet i think it takes 10 years but like i'm gonna be one day like i didn't even know what that word meant two years ago which is crazy um (laughs) i didn't even know how pastrami was made until two years ago and then like i can't like i don't know just pork strami and i'm in shock that people from like texas haven't been making that i know i know it's because i had heard about you i think it was through instagram and then you know i i smoke a lot of meats and stuff as a hobby so i do it on my own it's like how I settle myself in between doing movies because it takes forever to get a fucking movie made. So like doing like a smoked like uh, brisket or doing like smoked ribs or something. It's like a little mini movie where it's like, okay, I've done yeah. all my process. It's nice. Um, but then I saw your thing and I was like, oh, cool. She does pastrami. And then I, cause I didn't read it all the way. And I looked at it again and went, pork strami? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I should have brought you some. That was so dumb of me. Um, next time. Yes, please. Hold on. I'm going to adjust your microphone one last time because okay. I want to get your voice. Hold on. Ugh. It'd be nice if I had Liam, my producer here. Where the hell is Liam? Exactly, exactly. That's Where right. are you, Liam? That's right. Staying on the microphone, Liam. I can speak. I can get louder if you need me to. It isn't about getting louder. It's just like it's just about two more beers, speaking. and then I'll be as loud as you want. No, it's just this microphone. That'll be better. Okay. That's the last time I'm going to adjust it. All right. Um, I can also sit up. Do you want me to sit up? No, whatever. See, you can hear your voice, right? Um, yeah, now I can. Yeah. So, like, you want me to hear myself? Yeah. If you can hear, when you hear yourself, can um, hear you breathe. Yep. See, if you start singing in the microphone, that means you like what you're hearing. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. All right. Good. Um, so, okay. Cleveland. So, you're from Cleveland originally. I am. Um, I grew up in Orange, which is. Moreland Hills, Pepper Pike, Shaker Heights, the Jewish side of Cleveland. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I had like a great childhood. I never, I didn't really cook, but my mom's an amazing cook. Both of my grandmas. Um, I loved growing up there. It was amazing. Yeah. And so, I mean, so the name of your, now is it a full restaurant now or is it still a pop-up? Um, I am a vendor at Smorgasburg every right. Sunday. And so I do caterings and I guess, I think Smorgasburg is considered like a pop-up or, yeah. So yeah, it's still a pop-up. Um, 
Which is what I want. I do not want to be paying rents on a restaurant anytime soon. That yeah. sounds crazy. Well, it's such an interesting thing. Like within, what is it, the past 15 years or 10, 15 years that restaurants have changed, like food trucks have become a big thing and like pop-ups yeah. are a big thing just because of like the massive investment that it takes to just open up a brick and mortar shop at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, or it's, it's crazy. There's a little bit more flexibility, but I mean, there's, I've never owned a restaurant, so I don't know what I'm talking about but um I think owning a pop-up I mean I could it's it's a little bit more flexible it's Mm -hmm. definitely easier than owning a restaurant you're not having it to there's just there's so much less involved it's still really hard work and it's crazy but it's not seven days a week well i'd work almost seven days a week but it's (laughs) but i've that's because i have another i have a second pop-up i'm doing a residency at a restaurant that closed down during covid but yeah i don't know i owning a restaurant sounds so scary yeah yeah it's just like so many of my friends own restaurants are like don't do it and then part of me i'm like but i wanna and then i'm like wait a minute like why is everyone saying no being from Boston, being from the East Coast, it's like, okay, so what mafioso are you in bed with yeah, to get exactly. the restaurant up and running? Um, so the name of your spot is The Bad Jew. The Bad Jew. And that's because of? That is because, I mean, I grew up calling myself a bad Jew. I went to a Jewish summer camp. We did keep kosher on site, but it was pretty reformed. And when we'd go to like offsite, we'd go to like baseball games or a state fair and we'd always be like let's be bad jews let's sneak bacon or like <laughs> i have a picture of me from like six years ago when i lived in chicago eating pork belly and the hashtag was bad jew and like i think that's a pretty common term for like when people when reformed jews eat trafe or mm-hmm. if they don't go to temple for a high holiday or something um and i think it's like so it's kind of just like a, an inside joke with all my Jewish friends um, and for non-Jews too that just think it's cute and fun and also that just like love pork and like want a, a new way of eating old school deli. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you. Um, being from uh, the, like, obviously I've said a hundred fucking times on the show being from the East Coast um, I did I, I used to live in New York City for a while Okay, and I loved like um, Russ and Daughters and like cats and all of like the old school like uh jewish deli stuff and um have you just went to katz's for the first time my sister just got married she lives on shelter island and i was in the city at the beginning right before the wedding and right after and my first stop right off the plane was katz's deli i thought it was delicious i thought it was great um but this is a, like, I don't think I'm supposed to say this, but deli food's like not my favorite food. Maybe like, <laughs> I think Jewish food can be, there's so much you can do with it. But sometimes like, I don't know, like if you've heard of the Jewish stomach, some of the food, it's like, it's very mild. Mm-hmm. And I think, so it's like, but honestly, I thought Katz's was great. I thought it was delicious. I've not been to Russ and Daughters. Ooh. Um, I will go one day. Ooh. But I know I need to like do a deli tour. So well, I mean, I, who I, wants I, to take me? Yeah, we can go. Let's go. I like. I, I get it if you're not not a huge deli meat person. No, uh, it's not a deli meat person. It's just like when I I want to like go chase like dumplings and tacos oh, or like yeah. oh yeah, I love Southeast Asian food. That's but I think that's because I don't know how to make any of that. I mean, I and I'm not around it. Mm-hmm. Like 
in my own kitchen. So it's more exciting to be like, what's this new thing I'm trying or, you know. <laughs> the thing that I, well, so you, you work for a bagel place out here, right? Yeah, Pops Bagels. Okay, so what is the deal? <laughs> what is the deal with like West Coast bagels versus East Coast bagels? Have you heard about this argument that's going around? Yeah, what, tell me about like what's, I've seen it, but I don't know, I don't like, what's the main difference? Okay, so on the East Coast, a bagel for me is obviously, you know, boiled and they go through that whole process, yeah. but the bagels are a lot firmer. They're a lot more dense is the term okay. I'm looking for. And then when we came out here, I I took it for granted. There's a couple things that changed drastically when I came out to the West Coast. Bagels was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Chinese food's kind of a big thing. Like there's pizza. big differences. Well, pizza, sure, but I don't get crazy about pizza. Um, but uh, with bagels- well, You haven't had some of my friend's pizza then. Is it good? Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Lupa Cota, best pizza ever. All right. We'll talk, we can talk about her later. She's yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally done. Like, if we're, we're finally getting the LA experience now that we're out of quarantine. Because as Gina told you off the air, we moved here four months before lockdown. So we yeah. essentially this has been Los Angeles. <laughs> like this house has been. Lost. I just, I just, my eyes just opened wide and in shock. <laughs> you guys need to, you guys need to get out of the house. <laughs> she looked around. Covid's at all the, over. At the, all the crates of chickens. It's not over. And, it's not. <laughs> Um, but uh, so the difference between bagels, the ones on the East Coast are very dense and they're, there's a, a specific comfort to them. And then when we came out here to the West Coast, it just felt like bagels were lighter. I just spilled beer all over myself. <laughs> I get like you. in my eye. <laughs> Sorry, the difference between East and West Coast bagels are what? <laughs> this is what happens when we're, I'm doing, drooling. When we're doing beers this early. Okay, um, continue. Sorry. Uh, so the East Coast bagels are denser. They just, uh, they, they're very chewy and they have like this specific texture. Okay. And then West Coast, it's like they're trying to replicate that except for the interior where they're very light. And when you when you go to bite a, a West Coast bagel, it like shrinks down to like a half inch. Okay. And I just don't understand. I don't know. We were theorizing that it's because of calorie count that out here, they didn't want to make them that dense it's because honestly, of the calorie count. probably because of weather too. Like weather has a huge play in the way you cook and especially bake i mean that's like maybe they just can't physically maybe you can't just you can't replicate it completely oh, because it of be that. the same because like there's more moisture in on the east coast it's right. dry as hell out here so right. maybe it's just it's less dense because of that right. i don't know anything about baking yeah well, I, i'm not a baker either I, I used to bake bagels. I should know more. <laughs> Baking is too scientific. I'll phone a friend. Hold on. <laughs> Baking's way too scientific for me. I'm a more of an emotional. Yeah, guy. me too. You know. Yeah, I just like to throw things together. Yeah. What do I have in the cabinet? What do I have in the fridge? What can I make out of this stuff? Even though smoking is a little bit like strategic. There is a science to it, but it is still very like yeah physical. Correct. It's very physical. Oh my God, my back hurts. <laughs> I just brined 300 pounds of meat yesterday. My God. My God. In it's, my garage. <laughs> in your garage. Uh, I love smoking. Smoking is, there's something really great about being tied back into the elements, being tied into fire, being tied into smoke. And then it basically, I mean, as a hobby, I'm sure it's different when you're doing it as a, as a no, job. No, I still love it. Okay. It's. Def it is hard though. It's like it can be emotional. I, I'm luck luckily my friend Elizabeth and I try to get on the same smoke schedule. Um, she owns Mally and she's doing a, re a residency in Melody Wine Bar. 
She oh, cool. does Mexican or Jewish Jewish Mexican food. So she's Jewish. Her boyfriend is Mexican and she does pastrami tacos. She does um, swordfish bacon, egg and cheese tostadas. Like she does really like really impressive food. But anyway, luckily we've been able to get on um, a similar smoke schedule. So it's nice having someone there with you Mm -hmm. um, to interact or it's like, Hey, can you put a log on while like I sleep under the smoker? And like, (laughs) uh, actually, seriously, we always are like laying on it's the smokers in Redondo beach. We're using our friend smoker. Mine is currently being built by fat stack. Um, he builds like everyone's smoker in LA. Well, Mm -hmm. not everyone's, but, um, and anyway, we like, we're always laying on the, on the pavement and like curled up. We always look like we were just like, when the day is done, we look like we'd been mining all day. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, everyone's like, how did you get so dirty? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing about smoke. Like if I smoke, then three days later, my beard smells like smoke. Yeah. My skin smells like smoke. And there's this piece of me where I'll, while I'm there and you're looking for, especially if I'm doing like uh, ribs, I'm looking for that smoke ring. I'm like, so if the smoke ring is in the ribs, yeah. where's the smoke ring in me? Honest, my hands look like pastrami. <laughs> they have my whole life. A girl named Michelle that I've known since I was a kid, when we were like 11, she's like, your hands look like pastrami. It's like my tan lines. But so I have a smoke ring. <laughs> I do. Look, can you see? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You do. That's a nice smoke ring at that yeah. point. It's a tan line. But. <laughs> <laughs> I I love, love, love uh, barbecuing. It's like super relaxing to me. And, and the whole process is really interesting. And um with pastrami like the brining process that's like 10 days right or something like that. i do mine for i do six days and you're um i used to like the first time i did it, i think i did 20 days i don't um wow yeah crazy so i now i do um have these huge cambros and i do a salt and sugar mixture with spices and i i brine it for excuse me five days and then I let it sit, I dry it out for a day, and I rub it with the mustard and the spices mm-hmm. and tie the pork shoulders, they're boneless, and then get them ready to smoke. Yeah, for those of you who are listening that don't know the process, you go through this brining process to actually get that pastrami flavor and also that that coloring that happens with mm-hmm. it too. Yeah, you use pink salts. Pink salts for that, yeah. Not Himalayan pink salt. And so the meat will sit in a brine so is it because you, you're doing pork so is it the same amount of time for pork as it would be for beef yeah i think beef is na- naturally a little bit saltier so maybe you would do less on beef but probably about the same yeah you have to wait you have to i do four percent salt i just changed it to three percent i want to like i want to i'm trying to i want it to be less salty because i make all my own krauts too and like mm-hmm. there's salt in the russian dressing so i'm trying i want to make it a little bit less salty but um I forgot what you said. No, I was just asking if <laughs> I was just uh, I was asking if it was the same amount of time for Yeah, both. no, I think it's the same amount of time. I just you do four percent by weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's fast. Three percent by weight, whatever. It's fat because I've never had pastrami pork. So I, I know what pastrami beef tastes like. Pork is like naturally sweet and it's just melts in your mouth. And I like the fat way better on pork. I yeah. think the way it melts and the way it's like it's usability like it's not as like it's not as grassy and it's like it's intense but it's like beef is all-encompassing where pork can like 
beautifully add flavor to vegetables or like I always I save all my pork and I at my other pop-up which is not deli I um I save all the pork fat and I make jus out of it bad jus um <laughs> and, and I save all the fat and like I'll cook the pork chops with the leftover fat or um and it just adds amazing flavor yeah because beef the, la- the latest thing that I've been doing I try not to do briskets because briskets take fucking forever mm. to do. So the, I think the longest that I'm doing these days are uh, beef plate ribs. So I like to do the rib. I actually like the beef ribs more than I like brisket, believe it or not. Wow, yeah. And, um, but when you eat those, there's so much fat in it. And I feel like the beef fat just destroys you. Like yeah. after sitting down and having I mean, like a beef rib. pork can destroy you too. Yeah, I, maybe it's because I've like been eating. Have you heard eating. of meat sweats? Like, hello. <laughs> yeah, no, anything, any, too much of anything will destroy you. I really think, like, I think also barbecue, like, don't get me wrong, I do not hate on barbecue, but eating a huge plate of meat is crazy <laughs> and know. not healthy. I know. Like, I think, bring the vegetables back to barbecue, baby. Like, every, like, I need to start making some side dishes for the badgies specifically that are, like, little bit more health oriented like i think people should like a half sandwich per person and like a salad is Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. way to go i've really been getting into that place here in la that place charcoal and i was picked up their book which was fascinating and so i've been doing a whole lot of like cookings directly on charcoal with vegetables Mm. which is really great and they they had this um this cabbage, so I'll take like a full head of cabbage, roll it in oil and salt, and then bury it in hot coals. Yeah. And it comes out so fucking good. It's like glowing when it comes out. You peel off the charred outside, and it's almost like a, the closest thing I can compare it to is like an old blooming onion. Like it has yeah. all that flavor in it. I do, I do dish like that. I do, um, I cut uh, cabbage into wedges, and I char the outside to where it's black, and then you just kind of pull it apart, but you don't take any of the chard off. Mm-hmm. Just the edges are charred. The inside is still bright and green or red, whichever type of cabbage you're using, and I serve it with like amba and tahini, which is like fermented mangoes, and tahini is made oh. out of sesame paste. It's just super... It's really good. It's so good. There's yeah. something great about adding that bitterness to your vegetables when you're charring them, mm-hmm. which I really dig. Um, Me too. I love that. I think that there's something really great about adding that vegetable element to barbecue in general. Yeah, I, I would love to see more of that. That is like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love meat. I'm in the meat business. I, um, But I just think there could be a little bit healthier of an aspect and also creative aspect. Like it would be really cool to see what people can do with all different types of vegetables, especially if you're in California where vegetables are right mm-hmm. in front of us. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of LA barbecue right now. It's like, it's crazy. And I think a lot of the places actually are doing like cool salads and like, but um, vegetarian options. So but I think it is, I think it is happening. That's very LA based. That's what's yeah. fascinating about coming here from Boston is that the amount of options for you for healthy options out here are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the amount of really good flavorful health, healthy options. Yeah. You go anywhere else in the country and it's like, you want a Caesar salad? Do you want like house salad? Yeah. You know, but out here there are so many great, because it is the produce, the produce right. is so good out yeah. here. You know? The produce is special out here. Like the farmer's markets. That's, that's one thing I loved. Like, was so inspired by like you know when growing up in Ohio like I mean I didn't really know where food came from like my mom made dinner every night and I just like I didn't think about it Mm -hmm. I mean I knew that there were farmers I knew that food grew from the ground I knew that it came from animals I'm not like 
completely unaware. But here it's like it's so in your face and like you understand how it's made how much water certain things need or how the animals are fed and it's like it's cool yeah it's inspiring it's like oh god yeah and i think the the rise of celebrity chefs and the rise of all these cooking shows mm -hmm. and all that content that's needed people are actually becoming aware of the romance behind this stuff and how it's yes, put together the romance i like that Food is very romantic. I, I I said to someone earlier today, they're like, what do you like about your job? And I was like, it's like falling in love every single day. Like you, <laughs> you can like, you learn something new about a vegetable or an animal or a fruit and, or a flower, whatever. And you can learn something new or cook it a different, cook it a different way or use the same animal a hundred different ways. And it's like, it's endless mm -hmm. and so that's like especially for someone like me with like major ADD and like who couldn't focus on anything what like <laughs> this is the first thing I've ever like worked for and like cared about and been able to focus on because there's so many different paths you can take with every ingredient yeah no I love it too and there's it is such an emotional journey that you're able to create that's why I'm always comparing it to filmmaking it's the same thing. Instead of just using your eyes and your ears for it, you're also using your smell, your sense of smell and your sense of taste. And so you can replicate an emotion that you felt or close enough to it the first time that you had something and, mm -hmm. and then go, all right, look. And then you start to get real smart about what about the combination of this? And what about the combination yeah. of my heritage and, and all this different stuff? And yeah. Um, I love it I, I, and I love what you're doing and I love uh, what's happening with barbecue in general right now because t traditionally smoking meats has been very traditional based like it's like Texas you're either Texas style or whatever and, and there's a specific way I don't of, even know all the styles North Carolina Memphis, is Carolina Kansas style Texas style Missouri Missouri doesn't Missouri have some of the best barbecue they do they do I've never had Missouri barbecue and I know people listening Same. I know people listening are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But sorry. I've only, I've not only had barbecue in LA. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, well, <laughs> I went to, I went to Austin, but I was there for a bachelorette party. Uh -huh. We went to Bangers, which is, they're smoking and it's mostly like a sausage house, but like, I have to go back. <laughs> There's a lot of really great barbecue. I've had barbecue in Texas. I've had barbecue in Atlanta. I've had barbecue all over the place. It is, it's really good. But the problem with... Uh, a lot of that old style thinking is that it's very, it's very traditional based. It's like, this is how you do it. Salt, pepper only. You do it with the smoke. And I really love what I loved about New York City is New York City was doing a lot of this fusion barbecue for a while. Yeah. And that's coming out here. And, and there's a big fusion thing that's happening out here, which is just introducing more flavor, different flavor, different stories to the same process of, of getting that meat to the right texture ultimately. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think traditions are amazing, but like, I didn't grow up in kitchens. Like, I didn't have anyone telling me you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think there's like some fearless aspect to that. Like, I can do whatever the fuck I want when I want. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're gonna eat it, and you're gonna like it. No, I mean, hopefully you like it, and hopefully you're gonna eat it. Okay, it is that time to give some thanks to the men and women that support the show. I'm talking about our sponsors. 
Um, for those of you who are in the market for a new computer, head on over to PugetSystems.com and check out a brand new custom-built PC. It's a personal computer. <laughs> That's what PC stands for. Uh, believe it or not, PCs are stable these days. PCs are more affordable. PCs are upgradable. I love them. I have been cutting everything that I do on a PC, and I've been doing this for uh, seven years at this point, at least. Time travel, I have no idea. Every once in a while, I put a foot outside the DeLorean and look around and go, what year is this? I don't know, get back in. Um, do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a new computer, don't spend buku bucks on someone else's advertising budget or unboxing experience. You will waste hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the more quote unquote popular systems out there. And what you're ultimately doing is paying for the ad campaign to remind you to stay within that cult. Uh, if you're looking for something that feels like a tool, if you're looking for something that will bend to your needs, that is a slave to your creation, uh, build yourself a PC. And uh, I know that it is a scary thing to do on your own. The idea of like hunting for parts and trying to figure out like, what's a motherboard and how does this play? No, 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 no. I did the hard work for you. I found this company called Puget Systems. I went to them myself. I wanted a company that had great customer support. And I mean like you talk to a human being customer support. I mean someone that when you call them, they know who you are, customer support. Remember what that's like? There are some of you who are listening to the show, most of you, because a lot of young people listening to the show have no idea what that is. They think customer support is like a little chat window that shows up on the side and says, hello, what is your name? <laughs> Fucking computer voice. <laughs> and you type it in there and the algorithm runs it through and it says, oh, okay, well, how about one of these three answers? And you're like, no, no. How you're not going to know what my problem is because I'm doing something so custom based. I'm doing something so original that you're not going to understand what my problem is. That's when you need people. So head on over to PugetSystems.com and uh, see what they're building. They share all their stats. They share all their benchmark tests um, and look at the computers that they're making. They're great, man. I'm telling you, I love them. And let's see, also supporting the show, I'm gonna give a shout out to my, my boys over at Dale Strong Knives, because this is a food episode, and I'm gonna throw these guys a bone, because these guys, uh, I love their knives, I've been using them for ages. Uh, you have seen the commercials that I've done with these guys, that's, uh, how did I meet them initially? I was doing years ago a uh, food documentary with uh, Polly Cooks, and, um, him and I sort of met up and he was doing really amazing work with plating, food plating and the art of food plating. And I created a piece with him on that. And he uh, knew the dudes from Dale Strong. And so we reached out to them and, and Dale Strong helped sponsor the finishing touches on this little mini doc called The Art of Plating, which if you want to watch, you can head on over to MikePetchy.com. And I think it's in my film section. I've made of quite a few pieces with Dale Strong since. Really love the commitment that these guys have to chefs. I really love the commitment that these guys have to food and the commitment that they have to filmmaking. These guys sort of run the trifecta of awesome shit, you know? 
um, and their knives are great. I love them. All sorts of different styles of chef's knives, boning knives, uh, butcher knives. I've got way too many because I've done too much work for these cats. Um, but get yourself a great chef's knife. Get yourself a safe, sharp chef's knife. And I know the idea of a sharp knife being safe just doesn't seem right, but it's true. Any cooks, any foodies that are listening to this understand what I'm saying. If you have a dull knife and you try to cut through a head of lettuce or you try to cut through a, a tomato skin and it slips because it can't cut through, it's not sharp enough to cut through, it'll, you'll cut your finger. A dull, a dull knife cuts you all the time. Sharp knife cuts you maybe sometimes. <laughs> and it changes the way you prepare food changes the way you feel when you make food. There's something very sort of exciting about being able to do all those slices that you see in all those food shows that you like. Being able to have that precision instead of like hacking away at hunks of shit, you know, and tossing it into a pan and going like, well, it doesn't really need to look that good. If it looks good, it tastes good, right? And then there's something to be said about the flavor that comes from well-cut food. And more importantly, there's something to be said about how food tastes coming from somebody who's making it that isn't stressed out, that doesn't have anxiety, that isn't behind on their prep because the knife isn't sharp enough. There's so much I could say about Dale Strong. There's so much I could say about a great chef's knife. Uh, if you want to have your, your world change, you want to rock your world, head on over to dalestrong.com and pick yourself up a really banging chef's knife. Uh, and I know there's a lot of you that are like, man, it's gonna cost me like a few hundred bucks. You can get a fucking killer chef's knife over there for under a hundred bucks. I'm telling you right now. Check them out, you're gonna love them. And uh, you'll see a lot of the stuff that I've done for them, a lot of the marketing that I've done for these guys. Uh, I love them, David over there, him and I are buds. So head on over to dalestrong.com all right, also supporting the show is always good friends over at Quasar Science. LED lighting, we all know about it now. It's like, if you're coming out of film school, they probably only showed you how to use LED units. <laughs> so if you're in the market for some new lights, if you're in the market for some lights that do magical things, a lot of Quasar's LED tubes, they're uh, bicolor tubes, they're rainbow LED tubes, they're Phenomenal, well-balanced light, so you can count on that light being the same, that tungsten matching with other units, that tungsten matching with different types of units. You can uh, count on the uh, hardware to withstand the stresses of set. This is huge, because there's a lot of cheaper versions of lights out there. And when you get something that's cheaper, you're paying for less, right? They're giving you less. So maybe it's not just within the LED units. A lot of cheaper units uh, pick really shitty LED, uh, what do they call them? Not chips, but the actual LED bulbs. So they'll get like really crappy balanced bulbs. So you can't really count on the color temperature that's coming off of them, right? Often some of them are slightly shifted to the green and some of them are slightly shifted to the magenta, which really fucks with you when you're in post-production and you're doing over-the-shoulder coverage. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. Why, does, why is this person's skin tone more magenta than this one? 
Ah, because I cheaped out on these fucking LED units and that other one was shifting. Now I got to color correct the magenta out of this person, which is changing a lot of the other colors in that shot, which means that I have to do the same for the shot that I think looks great. It becomes a nightmare at that point. Also, uh, they cheapen out. So if you're buying the stuff off of eBay, you're getting like cheap uh, LED units from China. The actual cases that they come in, the uh, pins that they're used to mount to stands, all this stuff is made from crappy plastic and it breaks, it falls apart. Uh, one of the big advancements with uh, Quasar Science right now is their new tubes come with uh, multiple mounting options. They actually have sort of a rack mount that runs along the back of these tubes where you can mount pins at, at different points. You can actually have it uh, almost have like a uh, tripod plate slider that fits on the back, which is really fucking rad um, because uh, with the older tubes, I always felt like I was going to break them if I clamped them with a C-stand or if I put a, a, like a, um, what do you call it, like a muscle clamp on there that it would just fuck it up. It would crack the plastic. They've changed the way they build these things, so they're a lot sturdier now. Uh, so go check it out. Head on over to QuasarScience.com and look at all the cool shit that they're making. And if you're going to build out your kit, your shooting kit, as you come out of quarantine and you get hired to do... You know, tabletop food stuff. You're hired to do music videos. Do me a favor. If you're hired to do a music video, don't put the fucking Quasar tubes in the music video. Can we just leave that visual aesthetic to be stamped for 19, uh, what, what is it, uh, 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 2020? Can we just have that be stamped for 2020, right? Because uh, it sucks. <laughs> when you just see all those tubes floating around in the back. Let's move on from it, huh? But anyway, that was a little rant. Uh, head on over to quasarscience.com. Also, if you're new to the show and you like this episode and you want to go deeper into my love of barbecue, you want to go deeper into my love of food, maybe you uh, are curious about this, this asshole that's speaking to you right now. You're like, what kind of movie stuff does he do? And what's going on? Head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, I've made it easy for you. I think we're at like 145 episodes of this show. Uh, and I know how daunting that can be if you're looking through like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you're like, where the fuck do, do I have to go all the way back to one? Um, and then who are these people? And I don't understand what these names are and who these guests are. I've curated all the shows based upon subject material. So if you head on over to In Love With The Process and you wanna listen to all the chef's episodes, click on the fucking chef section. All the chef stuff will be there. The other thing that's great about the website is I put together supplemental material for each episode. So like if you're listening to a show and I'm talking about someone's movie, I usually try to put their trailers up there. I put a lot of behind the scenes photos up there. I try to make it an experience for you. And I know if you're listening to it on your phone, because statistically I do know this. I know that most people listening to the show are listening using Apple Podcasts. I also know that a lot of you are listening using Spotify. I also know that you can be surfing the internet. You can be doing a hundred different things on your phone while listening to the show. So head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com and see what I'm talking about. Or if you really want to be a good fucking listener of the show, you click on the sponsor links in the description of this episode. That's all it takes. You click on a sponsor link and my sponsors know that you're engaging and then they continue to sponsor the show then I can continue to afford the food spreads and the beer and all that stuff that you guys don't get to have. 
Anyway, let's get back to it with Rebecca. There's something really, I think, special about what's happening in food right now, especially in L.A. with all these pop-ups. All these people are like, my friend coined this term, classically untrained. Yeah. We do not, we did not grow up in kitchens. We do not have a ton of experience. We just kind of are making it up as we go. And it's just, it's like a food renaissance. Yeah. It makes sense. I also love, while I'm recording my show, the garbage trucks always show up at that specific moment. Maybe you should do it a different day. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> you would think, but they show up randomly all the fucking time. <laughs> if you go and listen to my show, you'll hear. Um, but uh, no, it's it's kind of like independent filmmaking, yeah. where because you, you're, you're not required to have as much money, you're not required to have as big of an investment to open up a restaurant these days, you have people coming into it that wouldn't normally have the opportunity to come into it to make something. Yeah, and especially with COVID, like people were furloughed. What were they supposed to do? They, yeah, like there's this, at Smarkusburg, there's this tent next to me called Saucy Chick and the wife is, she's Indian and her husband is Mexican and they're doing like garam masala nachos or something. And it's like, <laughs> but it's great, it's cool. It's like people had to get creative and think on their toes and they're doing things that, they've never done before um hence the renaissance it's just like crazy cool things are happening and it's really inspiring it's also really great for those of you who are foodies because you get to experience stuff that you haven't tasted before and a combination of things that you haven't tasted before um and then for my doctor who tells me that i should be eating less pig uh i just make him sweat more (laughs) (laughs) i think if you're i think like what i was saying before like i think everything in moderation is it's like you can eat your big ass sandwich, but eat half of it. Yeah. And share it with someone. I get it. I, for me, it's more, it's this, it's yeah. us hanging out. So yeah. all the time, whenever I hang out with people, they know that I do this stuff and they're yeah. like, what are we doing? We gotta have beers, we gotta have some, you gotta make some yeah. barbecue? And you're like, fuck. It's hard, you're kind of in the industry in a sense, but it's fun, you get it. Yeah, and at that point, it's fine. And the fatter I get, the better director I'll be. Yes. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola is my. Yes, get fatter. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to get huge. (laughs) Um, So, so, um, so what do you like to eat? So you, you mustn't like to eat the food that you're cooking at this point. I do. No, I do like the food that I'm um, making, but I have so many, um, I, there's so many restaurants in LA that I love. I love Subaki, which is, um, like Japanese tapas. And it's really, they just have like small plates. It's not sushi. It's um, small plates of really delicious food. Um, Is it like a, is it like a yakitori kind of thing? Is it like, I think they have some like yakitori style dishes, but no, it's like they have a little gym salad. They have a pork chop. They have like, um, you should go. It's really good. You got to give me a list. Okay. I will. Um, Anna Jack Thai is one of my favorite. It was like the saving grace of for chefs and regular people during covid because anna jack is thai food Mm -hmm. so it's this guy justin who his parents own the restaurant for like 40 years and he is making it his own he's using some traditions but also like 
he's using LA ingredients and also traditional Thai ingredients, but he's using like um, potatoes from Wiser Family Farms and he's using melon and he's um, using dry aged fish from the joint eatery. And, but anyway, for on Tuesdays, he would do Thai Taco Tuesday, have guest chefs. I've been a guest there or I've been a guest chef and it was like so fun. We did pork strami tacos <laughs> and I did my brined pork chop um, with a like a Jewish t- uh, nam tuck sauce. Um, it's Jewish because it had like harissa and date molasses. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, it's like he would have throw a party every Tuesday night, basically. And um, in the beginning, we were all messed up. And then when we didn't have to wear a mask, it was just like the fun thing to do on Tuesdays. It was the only thing we had to look forward to. But um, so those are two amazing restaurants. Um, I love Birdie G's. I love mm-hmm. I love Found Oyster and Crudo Nudo. So Found Oyster is in East Hollywood and it is um they do crudos they do peel and eat shrimp um definitely if you drink definitely uber there one time my friend and i had to leave our cars and they moved us to a bench because we drink so much wine (laughs) but the wine list is so good and the food is so good and it's just like and the waiters are all so cute and like it's just it's so fun um and crudo inudo is owned by this amazing couple it's in santa monica and they do crudos and fresh and like a ton of like fresh cold plates, all farmers market produce. And yeah, those are like some of my oh, favorite go-to spots. The way you're just describing them, you gotta give me a list. I will, I have like, I have a crazy list. Please. Yeah, um, I mean, rustic, I mean, so, and my fr- and all my friends, all my pop-up friends too, like be like burgers, heavy handed. My friend Elizabeth that I mentioned earlier, Mally, she's at Melody Wine Bar. Like, I love that place. That place is great. Melody's great. You have to go. Well, I think this weekend, you should go this weekend. It's her last weekend um, before she starts back up in September. She's like doing some crazy R&D in Mexico City. Ooh. She's going to get inspired with her honey bunny. Um, <laughs> she's like the coolest. She's like this tall, uh, 4'11", 5 feet. And she... Um, and she's just like, and she can, I like hate leaving her with the smoker alone, but she's always like, I can do it by myself. And it's really, she's cool. <laughs> she makes amazing food. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm so excited to to finally, as long as everything stays semi-cool as far as COVID's concerned, yeah. I'm, I've been very excited to get out and do stuff. Like I went to Melody for a couple of weeks ago and that place was great. I, I had the uh, pastrami tacos there actually, and they were really good. Oh, you did? Yeah, they were oh. really good. Elizabeth. Yeah, man. He has your tacos. They're great. Um, and that bar, I love that vibe. Um, I still live right around there, and I would. I'm friends with the owner. We. It was just like my spot. Oh, I love it, man. And uh, I've had uh, Brian Dunsmore, who was over at Hatchet Hall. He's opening, I oh, guess, yeah. a Hatchet new Hall's place. Amazing. Yeah, he's opening a new place, I think, in uh, Highland Park. Um, and we're buddies. And we, he was giving me lists. Uh, what I would do. I've talked about this on the show, but what I would do all the time as a music video director is I'd get transplanted to different cities and have to chase artists around and do music videos. And so every time we got hired to do a gig, I had my assistant. His main job was to find all of the shittiest bars, all the best bars, all the great restaurants. And we would stay for three extra days and do what I call bar safari through each city. Oh, wow. That sounds fun. And I've, I've, I haven't done one here we have yet. To, I would like to know that bar safari. I love like little dive bars. Also, one of my favorite spots is Kensho. They're in Hollywood. Amazing sake. Uh-huh. Amazing wine and amazing um, Japanese bites. Ooh. Like, What's so it called? Good. Kensho. Kensho? It's cool. It's like, it's small. 
It's funky. I love it. Everyone's like just super cool looking too. I love it. Yeah. The whole thing's good. Everything's, it's so good. I've been building towards an epic bar safari out here. We just haven't done one in Los Angeles because of the reasons, obviously, because of COVID, but um, it's, I'm excited. I think some of my favorite places to do it, uh, Chicago, I've had an amazing one in Chicago. Where'd you go in Chicago? I used to live there. Uh, we ended up, all right, so this is a while ago, so I gotta remember, it all blurs. I ended up going to, was it called the Green Door was where mm -hmm. I started, which is that place that had like the slanted door. Yeah. And then the, we went on like a, we went on a Monday. Did and you go the, to the California Clipper? California Clipper? Yeah. No. Well, you gotta go. Okay. We gotta, we gotta exchange lists. <laughs> okay. But uh, the, the place that I went there, I think it was called the Green Door and the entire place, the entire building was slanted. So all the, all the door yeah. frames were slanted and we went on a Tuesday and the bartender, it was empty and she was super cool and we were telling her that we were sort of traveling around. And she reached behind the bar on like their dusty fucking shelves. And she pulled out an old key and she's like, you want to go check something out? And I was like, cool, yeah. She took us down to like one of the original speakeasies that was oh in the God, basement. Oh my God, that is so cool. So rad. Um, speakeasies. Chicago's amazing. Uh, New York I've done multiple times. New York is amazing. New York. There was this fabled, I don't know if it still exists. I don't know if it ever exists, but there was this fabled hidden speakeasy that was supposedly in one of the water towers on top of an apartment. And we were trying so hard to figure that out and find that. Like you would like climb up a ladder and go into like one of those little water towers. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? So I'm putting that out there. So if anybody knows about that still, if it still exists. Help us find it. Help us find it. Uh, but I've been very excited. I've, I've got a bunch of friends out here that are like, we know places to go. Cause I gotta do a big bar safari out here. Yeah, I would like that bar list. I, I've been to some really shitty but amazing bars. The Cozy Inn in mm -hmm. Culver City. Mm -hmm. It is like, it's carpeted. It's kind of like Christmas themed all the time. There's pool. There's no mirrors in the bathroom. <laughs> it's nasty. I've taken so many dates there, and they're just like never want to speak to me again. <laughs> Um, but if they can't handle it, <laughs> that's a good litmus test at that point. Yeah. Can you take this place? Cause it's a warning. That's what I'm doing is some I'm of just, them love it. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that you have to deal with this. Yeah. Mm. Just get more beer. Um, so I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that we're chatting. Me too. This is fun. Yeah, man. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? So as far as, uh, is smoking is meats a concern? Are you? Do you have plans to to make the bad you into something bigger, or is it always going to stay I at this do. level? Um, no, it will and not. So be, all year I've been doing collaborations with um, a ton of other restaurants. I've done it at the Nosh, which is a Jewish deli in Beverly Hills. I've done at Gamboge, which is a Cambodian deli where they make this amazing numpong, which is um, <laughs> similar to banh mi. Um, I've done it at Thai Taco Tuesday. I've done um, Mexican collaborations. I've done kind of, I've done a lot. And the reason for that is because I want to show the versatility of the meat. And I want, I'm speaking to a co-packer right now and I'm wanting to um, kind of rebrand the meat under Morley's Meats and Provisions and I want to get into delis and grocery stores and I want it to be available um, across the nation and I really I, I want 
to build a company where I can like pay people the mm-hmm. appropriate amount or more because <laughs> mm-hmm. in the food industry that's a huge problem and I want people to like be able to afford vacation days and families and college for their kids and um I mean I don't I yeah so I just I want to do wholesale and I want to do I want to start with the pork strami. um I want to do the corn pork and probably I mean boar's head is obviously a huge like inspiration something that's company is like was yeah. built in 1905. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Like, give me some that. time, people. But um, <laughs> yeah, but no, I just I, making sauces, pickles, the foods that I love making and eating. Um, I think, yeah, I want everyone to have access to it, and I want, um, and the reason the na- the reason for the rebrand is because I don't know if like a Kroger would carry something that said the bad Jew. Um, I mean, I would if I was them, but so yeah. And no, I just think it's like, it's also just the bad Jews also, it's like about pork and rebranding under a name. That's a kind of all encompassing sure, that has like sense. meats and provisions, you could do pickles, sauces, you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would just, I would love to be a supplier and I would love, I want everyone like people, delis across around the world are use a lot of them are using the same pastrami they could i would love to add pork to their menu yeah yeah that makes sense and you said earlier that uh you never really thought about getting into the food industry where do you think you were gonna where did you think you're gonna end up i don't know i was my dad did commercial real estate so i was living in chicago i was working in logistics and i was actually doing super well i was like um early 20s and but i hated it and then I wanted to do real estate because um, my dad did real estate and I didn't close a deal in a year. My boss was like, we're not paying you your draw anymore. I was doing so terribly. And then I moved out to L.A. to do real estate out here. And I worked for my dad's old boss. And in the beginning, I was inspired. I had like a couple good deals and like I was excited. But like I didn't want to go to work. And like, I mean, no one I mean, still sometimes I don't want to go to work, but like I feel, but I love, but I love what I do and it's exciting. And I like, I, I, I think about it all the time and how I could be better. And I don't know, but I just, I had no idea that I was getting into food. I thought I was just going to be like a food groupie and like go to book signings all the time. <laughs> but then I started cooking myself and I'm like, wow, this is like, this is good. I can do this. I like, I can write menus. Um, it just kind of happened. Huh? Yeah. Well, it's funny because you would think uh, that real estate is a whole lot less physical than doing this task. Like this, this job requires a lot more from you, and you enjoy this more than real, real estate, estate. Yeah, I mean, real estate. It's like I, I don't want. I'd much rather smoke meat and like put wood on a fire and like than read. Uh, law contract with words I don't understand and like be in charge of like and someone's like office space it I mean don't get me wrong you real estate people you're all smart and I'm sure you love what you do but it just it wasn't for me (laughs) it's a very specific individual anybody that I meet that works in real estate there's like a specific type of anxiety that follows yeah I mean I I have so much anxiety about food and where I'm going and what my next steps are but like having I've never been able to like talk about like if you if we were doing a podcast three years ago and you asked me shit about real estate I'd be like 
uh, let's like talk about me going to the market instead. <laughs> the farmer's market, not the real estate market. Um, <laughs> no, and I just, I don't know. It's like, you just, I'm, I feel lucky. I've, I've been able to find something I'm passionate about. And I'm also lucky because there are so many people in the industry that are open-minded and like want to be friends. Like last night, my friend Chef I did like a sushi, a fish cutting party and she invited a bunch of women and we were learning how to cut fish. But really we were just hanging out, drinking wine, networking, and just like letting everyone know, hey, we're here. We understand what you're doing. And like just having people that understand you and having people on your side and having people know how hard this is because this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And like, I think it is one of the hardest jobs in the world. I mean, um, but yeah, having people that understand you and that are on your side and that like want to collaborate or just want to like be there for you. That's like the most important thing if you're going to be in the, in this industry is like having some comrades, like having some people on your side that you I can talk it. to. Yeah, I believe it. It's the same thing in the film business. Like we've yeah. picked two careers. It was a quote that someone said about the film business. It's like the it's like the white water rafting of of creative where you're just you fucking jump in and it's yeah. it's insanity and a lot of it just feels very solitary especially when you're creating stuff and you're writing stuff it's always on your own and and so it's important to have people around you and it's important yeah. to have folks that know what you're Even going bounce through ideas like on the way here i was talking to my friend ines who she's the one that does the pakoda the pizza the dough whatever but she like we call each other i call her and elizabeth probably 20 times a day each <laughs> but like we just listen to this idea that i had or like oh my god i'm so stressed out i lost my receipts or like oh my god blah 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 um or oh my god listen how happy i am listen how cool this is like there's just like it's important to it's almost like like i, I don't have coworkers. i have people that work with me yeah. and like for me but like i'm their boss and you can only open up so much um they can tell you anything they want, but you can't tell them everything. So it's like important <laughs> right. to have people that just get it. Right. That you can just like show up to their house, cry on their shoulder, and they're just like, I know. I know, baby. It's okay. It's a hundred percent the same thing in our and business. Actually, a lot of people have that are in food that are doing pop ups like me were in film. No. Oh. Yeah. It's like it's not uncommon. Pops bagels, I think he was in film. My Ines from Lupacota, she was in film. It's not uncommon. I think it's you got to have a similar mm -hmm. work ethic mm -hmm. and it's and your brain has to be wired kind of the similar way yeah you got to have add yeah you also have to you have to almost be like <laughs> incredibly self-deprecating and understand that you you enjoy putting yourself through misery to a certain extent where you're yeah. like you know this is going to take but the outcome yes is like for me like you for people for you it's like people watching your film and like how being emotive and like feeling something and for that's the same thing yep people looking it's at our art and experiencing it and that's why we do it because it's just it feels so fucking good i the thing i love about food and music it's kind of the same thing is it becomes such a timestamp for where you are emotionally at that moment like you can go to a great restaurant you can go to a great bar and have like the ultimate time and then eat something and and have that time stamp it like that specific flavor profile the way your mouth felt the way your brain felt the way the booze was and so the next time you bite into that sandwich you're like oh, i remember last time i was yeah. here i was talking to that really cute girl and 
and uh, my friend had this thing and it's just instantaneous and i think the only other thing that really does that for me is music music's very similar yeah I mean, me too that's why you curate playlists in restaurants or like you want to create the vibe and the mood and things that make you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I love vibe. And, you know, being someone that can cook a lot here at the house, when I go out, I'm, I'm spending the money more now on vibe than anything else and spending the money on like personal connections. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that way after COVID because everybody was forced to stay at home and every asshole was trying to make bread and do Instagram posts and all mm-hmm. that. But these days when you... I think the one thing that we've all been starving for is that sort of emotional human connection and is that vibe experience. And I love going into like a new restaurant or a small bar. It's like going into someone's home and and being invited into their space and just looking around going, they've done this. Like this is all curated for me. I love that vibe. That's the one thing. Like when I'm like, do I want to own a restaurant? Don't I? Like if I did, like I always think about what I would do or how I would want it to look. Um, that is the hardest, I think that's a hard part about like, so I'm doing a residency at a restaurant and it's a beautiful restaurant, but it's not mine. Right. And it's, I would, I'm always thinking, I would do this differently, I would do that. And I'm like, that's one thing that kind of, I don't know, I always think about that. Which is interesting because when I think of residencies or pop-ups, I'm always thinking like, are they living out of coolers? <laughs> like, there's a part of me that's like, are you well, living out of bins and coolers? Um, no. Well, not for <laughs> some people, yes. But I, I have an industrial fridge at home. But also at the restaurant at the Mar Vista, I have access to their walk-in fridge. Oh, okay. So all of my stuff is there. I'm not transporting. Thank God. I've done a lot of pop-ups. So I'm like having to constantly like bring stuff. And I'm just... That adds like 10 more hours to the job and i'm already working 80 hours a week so no thanks um yeah yeah no it's crazy I re- and, and it, as much as i know about it and, and i'm learning that's why i love having you on the show because i like to learn about all these different aspects but for me when i first started hearing about like hey someone's coming into a bar or a restaurant and they're going to serve tacos they're going to do something it made me think back to years ago when I was doing a safari in San Francisco, another great place to do bar safaris. And I was doing a safari in San Francisco and uh, we were at this bar, I can't remember the name of it, but it was under a highway, a highway ramp. So it was essentially like this bar underneath the highway ramp and they had picnic tables out in the back and it was rough. It was in a rough part of town. So there was a lot of like motorcycle guys and all that kind of stuff. And and at like two o'clock in the morning, this, beautiful older lady came in and she had these coolers and she was just bringing empanadas in and i remember the excitement like all like these rough and gruff dudes that wouldn't look at each other they were like buying each other empanadas and it just sort of changed the entire atmosphere and the changed the entire vibe and and i love that about you know like what i i always associate that with pop-ups and bars and stuff like that where it's like not only is this bar cool, not only is the vibe cool, but someone's bringing love into it. Someone's yeah. bringing their food and and it changes the entire atmosphere. It does. You know? Yeah. It's super cool. It's super cool to know that, that you do that. Like you are creating a sense of happiness for people and you're bringing this into different places. That's why we break our backs, you know? We just like, like people that are in food are like, we're people pleasers. Like mm-hmm. we are the life of the party or we want to bring the party we want people to enjoy we want people to enjoy the food and the atmosphere and it's like 
to feel excited about something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to have your stuff. I haven't had it yet. Um, well, I'm cooking tonight in Mar Vista, if you're interested. Uh -huh. um, I've, I've foreseen, um, so that's where I do like all my smoked pork chops. I do trout crudo. Um, I have some beautiful salads. My friends from the Arepa stand make this amazing hand-pulled cheese, which is called queso de mano. It's kind of like a Venezuelan mozzarella. Um, I serve that with fermented tomato pulp um, and bread baked by Gemini Bakehouse. It's like, it's good. And there's a couple of other dishes. Fermenting is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I haven't got into that yet. My buddy, who I cook with That's a lot, easy. is into it. Really? Yeah. You need a jar <laughs> and kosher salt, plastic wrap, and like, a scale. I feel like you're talking to a toddler trying to explain how to. No, I just like right I'm now. just thinking about like. Okay, so like pickles. So. Uh -huh. You get pickling cucumbers or you can cut up like tomatillos or radish. Radish is kind of smelling like fart. So like I would <laughs> do something else. So pick pickling cucumbers. So or any vegetable that you want. Mm -hmm. Cut in half, leave whole, whatever. Um, you take the weight of the jar and write that down. And then you fill the jar with the pickles and water. Then you weigh that. You subtract the weight of the jar. And then you do like 2% kosher salt or three percent four percent i think like three is probably the best and then you um mix it together with like a spoon or something you put plastic wrap over the top seal the jar open it in three weeks to a month or more and i mean even in four days it will change but like the longer it is the funkier it gets mm -hmm. and like lacto fermentation that's how easy it is wow. and or like i do fermented tomato pulp all the time it's like just brings out the umami of the tomatoes. It's like I get these Japanese tomatoes from the from Baylick Family Farms, and I take them to a cheese grater like pancone tomate, and I do four percent salt. Um, so I just no water. I just take the pulp from the tomatoes, do four percent salt, the plastic wrap, close it. In four days, it's like this completely different product. Hmm. Just sour, funky, good. Oh, I love it, man. It's ferment super with cool. miso. You can ferment with koji. I mean, just. Yeah, just play around. Start with the easy way and then like get books and you're going to be like, oh my God, I can ferment this. I want to ferment, I really want to ferment. My fr um, friend makes amazing uh, fermented pork mm -hmm. and I want to, I really want to ferment like pork and octopus together. I just, I don't know why I have this idea in my head. It could be disgusting, mm. but it might not be. What is fermented? I don't think I've had fermented pork. What does it taste like? Um, it have doing? you ever had like, it's like, on menus, it might be like Isan sausage or Thai sausage. Um, mm -hmm. It makes it sour. So you take raw pork and you salt and you, I think you add rice and salt to it. And the rice also helps it ferment. And, and then you can like, um, the salt essentially cooks it. Hmm. Um, and it's like hot pink and it's, or it's like a light pink. It's really good. Um, and sour and, it's really good in like um, Thai salads with like onion and fish sauce, or you can leave the sausage whole and you can grill it. Um, but you need to go to Thai town today and try some because it's like, it's my favorite thing, I think. I was blown away by the Thai food out here and the Vietnamese food. because Yeah, I love Vietnamese food too. Yeah, because when I moved out here, I'm like, okay, so we're gonna have a lot of Mexican food. I had no idea how great right. Especially the, the, the Thai food is mind-blowing. Yeah, that is something my friend Ines and I were working on a little project called Natty Cultures. And it's basically 
it's about the two of us like kind of being like third culture chefs she grew up around the world um and but being in LA kind of being third culture in itself it's um there are so much like tradition from like the where the origin of the country's food came from but then like here it changes because the ingredients change and like we want to like study that and learn about it but no it's LA is so it's like such an important food city because there's so many different cultural pockets there's like you can go like you can eat around the world here and it's it's just so cool and you can try new things where like where I'm from in Ohio yes they had Thai food but like was it Thai food? <laughs> right, right. Was it? Right. No. There was that whole, do you ever see that documentary? It was uh, General Tsao's or something where they talk about Chinese food in America and no, how. No, but I don't watch it now. You got to see it. Okay. How like, they were like, I'm going to fuck it up. But there were like specific um, establishments uh, for immigrants. And I think it was uh, either in San Francisco or New York where you would immigrate to America, you'd meet with this establishment and they'd go, okay, so this place in Ohio needs a Chinese food restaurant. And they'd send you out to the spot. And it really wasn't traditional Chinese food. It was actually, it was, a, it was like Jewish Chinese food. So yeah. it was like Chinese food from New York or Chinese food from San Francisco. Which is still delicious, but it's not Chinese. It's not. It's American. It's candy. It's like all like sugar, sugar and, and uh, you know, deep fried stuff. And, and so when you come out here and you start to have like, I forget the spot, but it was traditional Vietnamese food. And it was really awesome. They did uh, banana leaves wrapped in like a clear rice uh, dumpling with a little meat in it and they'd steam it and so you'd open it up and it's like this little jello piece that has meat in it. It was so fucking good. That sounds good. Um, I forget the name, but I'll have to find out. My yeah. roommates are uh, Vietnamese. Um, but uh, it was mind blowing. And yeah. the, just, just the produce, it really comes down to the produce. It really comes down to like yeah. all of this, the like Thai basil and all the really great stuff that is out here, you know? Yeah. And we have it all. I know. And, just, and it and LA, as far as food's concerned, not only is that really interesting, but then also like the street food's fascinating. And like you wouldn't get in any other city. You wouldn't have people like cooking on a cookie sheet with like sternos underneath on a shopping yeah. cart in the street. <laughs> the food yeah, no, it's really it. cool here. I mean, I, I think that also has to do with weather, like invest in stuff that where you can cook outside, where like in New York, the weather is not cooperative so no. like it just wouldn't it's not the same no. i mean they have street vendors but but there's like a mafia around it there's like a yeah there's like a like a like a warm chestnut mafia that's running around new york city <laughs> <laughs> that takes care of shit you know or like the bagel vendors and stuff and i i used to love that food when i lived there i think my best bagels that i would get for, were from street vendors in uh new york but uh, out here it's so much different yeah i kind of i love street food and i love it in other countries i love street food i think um yeah my friends when they come visit me from ohio or chicago they're always like is that safe to eat and i'm like actually yeah and it's fucking amazing it's better than it was at the restaurant so. right there's a lot my thing is there's a line of fucking people if it wasn't safe to eat there wouldn't be a line of people. right right you know what i mean they'd all be dead somewhere. and people you're you're preparing the food in kitchens so like yes it's safe and it's amazing yeah it's really cool and the experience is fun too like sitting yeah. out in a parking lot of like like a shoe retailer in like little plastic chairs and like pounding some of the best tacos i've ever had in my life like, uh, it's, it's, it's a really fun adventure out here for food. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Well, I think we've hit that point. Um, thanks for being on the show. 
You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, I can't wait to uh, to try your food. I'm going to show up and... Okay, come whenever. And eat. I don't know. I love it. Okay, cool. Fun. Thank you. All right. So that's it. That's the episode. It was great having Rebecca here. She's really nice. Really nice person. I can't wait to go to her place. I can't wait to have some of her food. I'm going to do it. I might do it this weekend, actually. I might do it while Gina's not here. Maybe I'll go have some pork strami. Right now, you guys, I know you can't see what's happening, but here's what happens after the episode. The guest leaves. I still have some food around. And then like, like flies, Gina just sort of circles the table. What are you eating right now? Oh, you have some Cheetos. What do you think is, she didn't really have much time to eat. What do you think is the best thing on the, on the spread right now? Yeah, we have like this cobalt cheese, which is really great. That meat's really good. Uh, and then you got those like Trader Joe's Cheetos or something. I haven't tried them yet. Are they any good? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Doc just shut up. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, lots more on the way. I've got some stuff planned. I've got some interesting guests. I'm trying to broaden our guest spectrum a little bit. Go back and get folks on the show that do different things. And I know we've been deep into directing for a while and uh, it's been great. I'm very proud of a lot of the directors that I've had on the show recently. I've been keeping up with them. Uh, Prano and her uh, film has been doing amazing. And there was just a big press release that uh, she's about to direct another big film. Um, So it's really cool. I love that about the show is I get to hang out make friends with these folks as they're building their careers and and together we can come up Uh, I hope you guys feel the same way because you guys are a big part of this show I wish I wish wish you were all sitting here with me and having some of this food and I don't know maybe I should do some live stuff would you guys be into that I know a lot of the listeners of the show are out here in Los Angeles would you guys come to a live show if I did a live show let me know. Write to me on Instagram. Tell me whether or not you think that's a good idea. And I'm also deep into um, doing some more merch. You guys interested in some merch? Will you guys be interested in some new t-shirts, some new stuff? Let me know. Drop me a note on Instagram. Uh, can you? Are you catching a theme here? Just, I'm asking you questions. I need you to respond to them. All right, that's it. That's the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'm going to leave you with some more amazing music. And uh, I will see you next Tuesday. What are you going in for now? What are you going to eat now? You just love those Cheetos. Why don't you just take the bowl? Just take the whole bowl with you. Why not? No, I can put it on. Oh, oh wait, the show's not over yet. Gina just jumps on a microphone. What an asshole. All right, guys, I'll see you later.